it is well with my soul. I, I trust that you would say that this morning, that it's well with your soul. And your walk with God makes a difference. Um, so important. Uh, how many of you have been affected by the smoke this week? Whoa, oh, that many. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not been good uh, here. And I've had people asking, are there ways that we can help the fire victims and what, what can we do? And so we will be taking an offering at the end of the service. We're going to have some baskets back there if you would like to help. But I contacted, I, I went online and I was looking at uh, different church organizations and different churches to find out if there was someone that we could help specifically. And there actually is a church plant. It's called LifeSpring Church in Chico. And they're a church plant. They just started about two years ago. So they don't have a lot of resources to go out and help. And yet they're very involved. And I want to read to you. Uh, the email that Luke, their pastor, sent back to me. He said, uh, thanks for reaching out to us. It's always nice to connect with pastors who share the heart for church planting. He said, uh, and I was concerned, uh, you know, how will we know how they're dispersing the goods and how can we help? He says, I understand your concern about wanting assurance that any funds you send through us will be used for appropriate and strategic relief efforts. Currently, we are still in a crisis mode trying to help people who are, have been evacuated find safety, shelter, and security. Our basic strategy at this point has been to make contact with the people who are our church family directly and connect to their relatives, co-workers, friends uh, who have been f- affected by the fire and try to help those people first. task is overwhelming, so limiting in the way that we have been helpful. We have been able to help many families in small ways and help five or six families significantly by housing, feeding, and clothing and loving them really well. This week, we also were able to partner with another church in Chico to provide a free day camp for evacuee families, which is meeting a large child care need for families who still have to go to work and are lo- after losing everything. Every day, there are more ministry opportunities than I can possibly imagine. But we also are very aware this this is a long-term process and there will be significant needs for many months. Because of that, it is difficult to give a lot of detail about where some of the funds will go as we don't know what needs will arise. But we are sensing that God is wanting this church to be supportive of the people there. The Chico area pastors met with some disaster and relief specialists on Wednesday, which was helpful. Tomorrow I am calling two pastors with NextGen Uh, in Santa Rosa, who played a major role in relief efforts there, and I am hoping that they will have a lot of wisdom to share. Now, next, Jen, let me just uh, uh, explain. This church is affiliated with two different associations of churches, and uh, they're good associations. Next, Jen, is the organization affiliated with Silver Spur. It's the association I came from. It used to be Conservative Baptist Uh, They now are known as Next Gen, and so it's a very solid association. The other association that is on their webpage is Converge, and Converge used to be Baptist General Conference. That's Golden Hills, uh, one of their churches. So when you look at these churches, they're very solid and uh, a good organization that we can be a part of. So the other factor that makes it difficult at this point is that while there have been other major fires which destroy homes and large amounts of land, There's never been a situation like this. The closest comparison is Santa Rosa last year, which caused damage to about 5% of their community. They're estimating that 70% of Paradise has been destroyed. 
So in many ways, we are all going to be figuring this out as we go. We are already seeing fruit grow out of this. One of the families we were able to house and feed through our church family was not coming uh, from a faith background. I invited them to church last Sunday as we hosted them for dinner, and the husband politely told me that he would not be coming because he doesn't believe in God. But he did come the next day, and he even shared a word of gratitude with our church family. Tonight, this is what the man who doesn't believe in God yet posted on the Facebook. I'd like to thank Chris and Dan, Lee, Joy, and Luke. Thanks to these five people who had a roof over our head, food in our stomachs, and a head start on restarting our lives. Joy and Luke's church, Life Spring Church, seemed to be the real deal. Yes, I went to church last Sunday. If you're looking to go to a church, I suggest you give them a try. They hold the service at Emma Wilson Elementary at 10 a.m. on Sunday. God is clearly at work there. And uh, he said, let me know if there's other details. But I just think this would be a great church for us to be able to partner with in being having a ministry there. I, I know basically what their beliefs are going to be, and uh, I know what their heart is. And so I'm kind of excited about doing that as a church. So as you go out this morning, if you'd like to give to that, because I'm sure they're limited on the resources, uh, we will have a bag in the back. A lot of people think, well, if we send clothes and we send this. If you have seen on TV, they have masses and masses of clothing and materials that have been sent up there that people can pick through. But even when Santa Rosa was going, I contacted relief efforts there and and they said, the problem is we have so much and these people have no place to store these things. We, we don't have any place to put it. We just need immediate things. So uh, if we can help out with that, uh, you can go to the web page if you want, LifeSpring Church in Chico, and uh, you can get an idea of who they are. They do have uh, a place there when you, where you can give directly to them. But uh, if you would like to give this week, and then next week we will take the offering again, so you can be praying about that this week. But I think it's important uh, that we come alongside these people and we come alongside the church there uh, and be a support to them. So be sure to, uh, to ask the Lord what he would desire for you to give. It does not go to us. Uh, the pastor there said it goes directly to relief for the people that are there. And I know that they're housing individuals, they're putting uh, food on the table for them. Uh, I really appreciated the fact that they have a day school going, a day camp going, because there's a lot of kids that are probably out of school right now, and the parents are both going to work, and they don't have any place to go. And so to be able to come in there and uh, have a place for them during the day uh, with no cost is really an important thing. So uh, I, I think this is just a great way for us to be involved in, in sharing and serving the Lord in this capacity because there are people, uh, whether they go to church or not, isn't the issue. They need our help and they need our support. Uh, and this is a, a positive way to do that. So I've asked uh, a couple of the guys, and there will be some baskets in the back there this week, and then we will take an offering next week specifically for that. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going back there this morning. And if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. If you would like a Bible to follow along, I'm sure that David will get you one. Just raise your hand and he'll make sure that you have one uh, so that you can follow along. We're just going to be looking at three verses but man, there is a lot there, and I'm going to get kind of personal with who I am today, because I think it really goes into my background. 
and I, I hope that would be beneficial to you. You remember in the first verse, it, it talked about the fact, <laughs> and my life, my voice is a little raspy, I think, from the smoke as well. But in that first verse, it says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And we just talked the last couple of weeks about what he set us free from. He set us free from the power of sin. You remember that. And, uh, boy, the Bible says we're all born with a sinful nature. And we find ourselves falling into those things that we'd rather not do. And it, it causes a lot of havoc and devastation in our families and our lives. Because that's a part of who we are. And so Christ set us free from that. We are no longer in bondage to have to do those things that once were a part of our lives. We're no longer in bondage, it says, to the law. Or, uh, you know, I would say today, legalisms. It isn't so much that we look at the Old Testament. Some people do and say, whoa, I've got to do all of that, and they feel they're under the law. But there's legalisms, and that means that I have these rules and regulations that I have to follow and, and if I'm not good enough, man, I'm not going to be honoring God, and God's not going to like me, and that's kind of where it is. And we judge others by our legalisms too, don't we? Whether they are spiritual enough for God. And then also we're set free from uh, false religion, just beliefs that aren't true. And you know what? Every religion I know of but Christianity calls you to do something to be acceptable to God, where God says, accept me by faith. It's my grace that makes a difference. And God accepts us where we are, and he loves us where we are. But I want to read this to you this morning. It's, it's Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 15, and then we're going to come back and kind of work through some of the issues here. Because now, all of a sudden, Paul makes a, 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 a statement that kind of defines that first statement, verse 1, where it says, it was for freedom, you set you free. And a lot of people would say, oh, wow, then I am totally unshackled. I can do anything I want, and... God will just accept me. It says here, For you are called the freedom, brother, brethren, only. Here's, here's the issue. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. That is the defining issue right there. Through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love the Lord. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Let's, let's bow in prayer, shall we? Father, I, uh, I just thank you for this, this passage this morning because for me it, it sets a tone for what I believe and how I make decisions and what's important on a day-to-day -day basis. Thank you, Father. For, uh, for this. Give us wisdom this morning. Give me insight in terms of what to share and what not to share. And might you be honored and glorified by everything we do this morning and everything that's said. Thank you, Father. We talked about the idea of, of legalism, the rules and the regulations. And, uh, you know, I, I believe all those traditions that people set up and rules on what a Christian has to live like they become confining. Uh, I, I, I admit, I, I grew up with that. And I talked about it last week, just the issue of dancing, how I would not take dancing in school because where they had it in physical education classes, I'd write to my pastor and I'd say, I don't want to do this. And he'd come back with a note for me and say I didn't have to. And of course, then I'd go to school and say, 
It's against my religion. And the kids wouldn't quite understand a religion where you didn't dance, but that was okay. They didn't want to dance either in PE and said, how do we get there? And it was, it was, a, it was a way out. But one of the, there's a couple problems with, with legalism. One is that if you are a legalist, it makes things a little easier because you know that here are the standards. And, and if you do this, you're okay. If you don't do it, you're not okay. And you judge others by it. But I don't think you can ever be quite good enough to keep them all. That was the thing with the law. And, and so there was always that guilt that would come up when you would break one of the standards or you wouldn't be where you were supposed to be. And, and I, I believe it really limited my relationship with God and with others. Because I was so caught up with the rules and regulations, I wasn't caught up with that relationship with him. And uh, that may not have been true for everybody, but I believe that was true for me. I think the other thing is that when we find out that we're no longer under those rules and regulations, uh, we just want to break free. And I don't want anybody telling me what to do. And it's very easy when you have all these rules and regulations, and I'm not going into all the ones I had right now, but to be kind of arrogant and see yourself as better than others and when you break through from it and you become free, uh, <laughs> you also become rather arrogant and see yourself as better than those who haven't broken free yet. And so it, it kind of is, is a difficult situation. Uh, there's a, a big word that talks about the person that doesn't follow the law. It's antinomianism. Anti is no and law, and so there are no restrictions on you. And that's kind of how a lot of Christians feel. They become libertarians, and that's the other side. When we're talking about making choices, and that's really what I want to do, how do I make wise choices in my life? Well, if I'm a legalist, i got the rules and regulations. I don't do this and this and this and this, and I had all of those rules as a boy and as a high schooler. But then you become free, and now you're a libertarian. There's uh, four L, or the three L's, uh, legalism, libertarianism, I'm at liberty to do just about anything. And you know, then nobody can tell me what to do. My choice. It's what I like. God will accept me the way I am. Uh, and so I, I have this idea that I have unchecked freedoms. Uh, I, I'm just going to call it grace gone wild. Okay, it's, it's, it's freedom unchecked. The Bible says, let me, let me just go through this for you. It says, God saves us by his grace. There's nothing I can do to affect my salvation other than come by faith. I need to receive what he gives to me, and that's true. Uh, the feeling that comes from that is that God's kind of a big teddy bear. And God isn't going to hold me accountable for what I do and don't do. And so I, I have those freedoms, and that's, that's liberty, that's unchecked and I was sharing with one individual about about this because they felt that they had this this liberty in Jesus Christ and we do I, I don't want to take that away we have freedom in Jesus Christ and I'm so thankful for my freedoms but I remember talking to this woman and she says and I'll go through it she said I was saved by grace and and he met my needs according to his grace. He answered my prayers according to his grace. He dispensed his peace and joy according to his grace. And there's absolutely nothing that she could do to earn all that God was willing to give her. 
And you know what? I most heartily agree with that. I agree with what she said. But then came the catch. As God ministered to her and her family by grace, it was for freedom they had called him. They felt very little responsibility to serve God or other people. Why worry? Come to church when you feel like it. When you don't feel like it, you don't have to come to church because you're under grace. There's, there's no responsibility there. There's, there's no reason to worry about things. If, as long as you find a good church where <laughs> you like the worship team, they're doing a good job, you like the worship leader, you uh, like the pastor, he stands up and preaches fairly good sermons most of the time as long as he doesn't give too much guilt. And that was one thing she said, I don't like to feel guilty when I go out. And as long as that's there and as long as there's a good ministry for my kids and there's a good ministry for our youth and uh, we're doing a number of those other good things, she said, I like that church. I said, well, what's your involvement in it? Well, I don't have to be involved because I'm free. And if God tells me what to do, then, then I'll do what God tells me. But if I really don't feel motivated, then I'm probably not going to get very involved. And if she didn't care for the church because everything wasn't being done that she wanted done, she'd go someplace else. That's grace unchecked. That was kind of the idea that I'm not responsible. God's already taken care of everything. I have liberty. And that was basically what she said. So let's slip back to verse 13. It says, you were called to freedom, brethren. You do have those freedoms. You've been set free from the power of sin. You have been set free from the rules and the regulations, the legalisms that bound you. Only don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. So when we make decisions, when we make decisions, we make them on the basis of where our background is, what we believe, what's important. Uh, when I make decisions as a legalist, it's based on all my rules and regulations and what I can do. If I make decisions as a libertarian, then it's my freedoms, and I really don't have anything that holds me down. But there's a third one. There's a third one, and it comes here, and this is what goes along with our freedom. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for sin. Don't turn your, your freedom into an opportunity to go back where you were before. And here's the third L, through love serve one another. I like that idea of, of through love serve one another. You know that word service uh, comes from the same word we get slave, and, and, and it means to meet the needs of somebody else, to serve their needs, and it says through love serve one another, and that there is a command. It's an imperative. It says that we are to meet the needs of those around us, meet the needs of those in our church. We are to love them. We are to serve with them. There's a great passage that talks about the importance of service. It's in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 in, uh, in the 25th through the 28th verse. Let me read it to you. Jesus was speaking here, and he talks about our relationship with other people and, and what we're to be like. 
And it says, but Jesus called them to himself, and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lorded over them, and, and, and their great men exercise authority over them. It's not the way among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. There it is. Now I begin to make my decisions based on what is beneficial not only to myself, but to someone else. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to, the, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Service, uh, uh, serving others, that's, that's just a natural part of the Christian life, isn't it? Just a natural part of who we are. How do, how do we reach out to them? How do we minister to them? So serving through love. I'm going to give you two things in the next couple of weeks. Number one is service through love. And number two is living in the Spirit. We need to live by the Holy Spirit. He gives us the strength to do it. We don't do it otherwise. But serving through love. Let me just give you kind of a, a definition of love. Love is not, not how we define it so much today. Love is is not this infatuation. When we talk about biblical love, it's, it's the term agape, and it's not just simply this infatuation with somebody, usually of the opposite sex. You know, we talk about love today, and that's where it is, or loving our family, loving those close to us. That's, that's special, but that's, that's not the love here. This is a love that talks about commitment. It's easy for the other love to kind of to fail if somebody does something we don't like to us, you know, they treat us in, in a way that isn't what we consider loving, then we withdraw. And it's easy to have broken families and kids that struggle because they don't have a, a whole family, the parents aren't there, uh, because it's broken, it's because it was a weak love, it's not a real love. But the kind of love we're talking about is the love that only God can give us and it's a love that remains, and it's a love that's commitment, and it says, I desire the very best for you. I want what's best for you. Not necessarily always what I would consider best for me, but certainly what's best for you. You know, in 1 John 1.19, it says, or 1 John 4.19, it says we love because God first loved us. That's the basis for my love. It's, it's, it's what God did for me. It's what he did on my behalf. It was God's great love that set, caused him to send his son to the cross to die for me. Because he knew that without doing that, I, I'd be lost. <laughs> I wouldn't have that relationship with him. I wouldn't have an eternal destiny with him. I wouldn't have hope in him. And so God in his love sent his son to die for me. I asked him yesterday as we were in that class, I said, how many of you would give your child for the person sitting next to you to die for them? And there were a number that said, well, I'd give myself, but I wouldn't give my child. And yet God gave his son. That, that puts such great value on each and every one of us when we begin to understand what God did for us. You know, you, you think of the idea, it, it was that kind of love that caused Jesus to come voluntarily, to leave heaven and the opulence of heaven and everything he had there as God and come down here and become a man and live basically in poverty. It says he didn't have a home of his own. He didn't have a house. It said foxes have holes, birds have their nests, but the Son of God doesn't have any place to lay his head. And yet he gave himself to that 
so that he might come to be our Savior. It makes this kind of love that God gives, it makes it possible for us to love others. I want to go back to Mark chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, turn there. This is what we call the Great Commandment. And the reason I like this, you can find the Great Commandment basically in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I really like it in the book of Mark. Sometimes it's Jesus asking others what is the most important commandment. But here somebody asked Jesus, and this is Jesus' response. He says, the foremost is here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. This is in Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Verse 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says there's no greater commandment, or no commandment greater than these. These are the greatest. So when I'm making a decision, it, it begins with that aspect of love. Talking about how I should live, what I should do from day to day, where I should go, the things I should be involved in. And the first thing I have to ask myself is, <laughs> how does it affect my relationship with God? It says I'm to be committed to Him. I'm to be committed to what is right before Him. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. I've said it before with everything you got. Love God. And so when I make decisions, or you make decisions, we make decisions, the first class, first reason or question we have to ask ourselves is, is what I'm doing honoring God? Or does it dishonor God? You know, I, I like that verse, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink, that's kind of mundane little things. Those are the basics of life. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And so if what I choose to do doesn't glorify God, it isn't loving God. If it dishonors him, it doesn't glorify God. Now, there are some things that may not fit into either category. It it isn't necessarily a thing that's going to honor or dishonor God. I have freedom of choice in there. It isn't based on, well, I better figure this out. I, I have freedom of choice there. And so the very first thing I have to ask when I'm, when I'm deciding what I want to do or what I don't want to do or what I'm going to be involved in or not involved in is, does it display my love for God? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, we've talked about this before, but the loving of self is an important one. Uh, loving myself isn't just doing those things that make me feel good. Because sometimes the many things I do that make me feel good are not good for me. Uh, in fact, they're not good at all. The six pieces of pizza I ate yesterday were not good for me. Uh, I didn't stop and think through that very well when I'm on a diet. So, uh, you know, you gotta you got to think through some of these things. What's good for you? What's beneficial for you? What's beneficial for your spiritual walk? The places you go, the things you're involved in, the activities are there. Do they build you up spiritually or do they tear you down? Do they make you have a good testimony and witness before others or do they mess it up? How do I respond to people? 
So love the Lord your God, love your neighbor, or love yourself, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that's, that's the next issue. When I make choices, how is it going to affect somebody else? Is, is it an act of service? If I love God, I keep his commandments. I worship him. I honor him. Those things are there. Jesus made a statement, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. So I'm going to keep the commandments of the word of God, whatever it is he tells me. Those aren't just legalism. Those are the things he, want me to do. he wants me to do. But loving others. What does it mean? If you go back to John, John chapter 21, Jesus was speaking to the apostle Peter. Uh, Peter and a number of the disciples had gone out fishing. It was after Jesus had been raised from the dead, and he met them one morning. And uh, they were they were out by the lake. They'd been fishing all night. They were out there in the water, and their net was in the water, and they weren't catching anything. And Jesus came to the edge of the bank, and he said, throw your net on the other side. And they did, and they got this huge load of fish. Big fish, it says. <laughs> they were so amazed, and John said to Peter, it's Jesus. Peter jumped in the water and he swam into Jesus and then the boat came in and they pulled the fish to the side and Jesus had, uh, Jesus had made a little fire and he was preparing breakfast for them and they went and got some of the fish and they cooked them and it was such a great time. I'm sure Peter was just overjoyed being there with Jesus and then Peter, Jesus called him aside. says, when they had finished breakfast... Verse 15 of John 21, it says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And, and there's that word we're talking about. We don't know what he was talking about for sure. He may have been pointing to the fish. Do you love me more than fishing? <laughs> you left the fishing once, Peter. Why would you go back? Do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than the boat and the lake? Do you love me more than these disciples? Am I more important to you than they are? Peter, do you love me more than these things? Do you love me more than the breakfast? <laughs> Peter responded, and he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And it's, it's a different word. It's, it's phileo. We know that word has to do with brotherly love. It has to do with a, an affection. He says, oh, I'm so in love with you, Lord. You're so important to me. My, emotionally, I'm caught up with you. You are my Lord. And then Jesus said, I want you to do something for me, Peter. I, I want you to tend my lambs. I want you to take care of those who are going to be followers of me is really what he's saying. The, the little ones, Peter, the ones that need protection, the ones that need help, tend my lambs. And then he said to him again a second time, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It's that agape, agapao. Are you committed to me, Peter, really? And I, I think he struggled with that. Why would he ask him a second time? He just said that he loved him. Are you committed to me, Peter? Is it real? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I, I have this affection for you. You are so important to me. And he said to him, that second time, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep, care for them, guard them, watch over them. 
And then Jesus said to him a third time, maybe look down a minute, maybe there was a pause. And he said to him a third time, he said, Simon, son of John, are you really that excited about a relationship with me? Do you love me? And he used the term that Peter had been using. And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, why three, Lord? And we've talked about how Peter was probably reflecting back to the fact that Peter had uh, rejected Jesus three times there at the campfire when Jesus was being tried. He said he wasn't a follower of Jesus. And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You don't need to ask me. You already know my heart. You know that I love you, Jesus. You know that I have this fond affection for you, that you're more important to me than anything else. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. You see, a person that truly loves God, we love God because he loved us, but we're going to be involved in ministering to others. It's just natural. It's, it's just part of that relationship. If we love God, he says, I want you to love others. I want you to serve others. I want you to minister to their needs. That doesn't mean I have to do everything <laughs> that comes up, but certainly I should be aware of things. If there are things to do in the church, things that need to be taken care of, that's just a natural thing. I'm going to serve you, and I hope that you would serve the body here. It may have to do with your spiritual gifts. Yeah, that fits for me. And other times it may not have to do with your spiritual gifts. And it's very easy to say, well, that doesn't apply to me. And yet we want somebody to do it. Do we step up and serve one another? Do we serve the body of Christ? Do we serve those who aren't in the body of Christ? I I think that is why it's so important as we think of the fire victims that we take time to say, how can I help? How can I be involved? How does God want me to be involved there? How do I display love in that way? You know, I, I thought about it. There may be some day that we would have a youth team that would go up there, or adults and youth, and say, wow, we'll come up there and we'll put on a day camp for you and for the kids in your community during the summer. We'll serve with you. It may open up opportunities to that. Are, are we willing to do that? It says we're to serve here in, in our passage this morning. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. An occasion for the flesh is the idea. The, the flesh being your old nature, not just your physical body. But through love, serve one another. Word comes from the, the term for slave. Uh, sometimes it means we give up things. We may give up our freedoms for the benefit of somebody else. I I think of Jesus. He set the supreme example. If, if you go back to Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, it, it talks about Jesus and the sacrifice he made on our behalf. Philippians 2, 5 through 7, it, it, it's talking about Jesus here, and it says, have this attitude in yourselves. This is it. Which was also in Christ Jesus 
who, although he existed in the form of God, did not require or regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And we see the sacrifice that Jesus made and the, the example he set. And, and that's what we're to do for one another. I, I look back in Romans, the 13th chapter, Romans chapter 13. And uh, in the 8th and the 10th verses, the 8th verse it says, You're not to owe anyone anything except to love one another. As he who loves has fulfilled the law. You're no longer under those legalistic things. You love them. goes on in verse 10 and it says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love. Love is, is what God calls us to do. And uh, it's, it's understanding that relationship that we have with him. Love overshadows my legalisms, my rules and regulations. Too often when we have the rules and regulations, we try and put them on other people. Love takes that away. I'm no longer under that, but love limits my freedom. Freedom causes us to be arrogant. I have my rights and no one can tell me what to do. And I can tell you that's where I was in my 20s. Because I'd come through the legalisms, I knew my rights. And you shouldn't tell me what to do. And then I became involved in ministries and I found out some of my freedoms, which were my right, might hinder my ability to minister to somebody else. And I began to realize it's harder to make decisions almost from love than it is the idea that I have a list of rules and regulations where I have total freedom. Because now I have to look at others. I look at you and say, will my lifestyle affect you in a negative way? And I gave up freedoms to minister out of love. And that's what the Bible says we're to do. I'm not going to go into a whole... I, I had a, a thing taken all figured out, and I'm not going to do that because uh, time situation this morning. But I want to give you three things when you're making decisions. Number one, what you're going to do, does it honor or will it in some way dishonor God? Does it honor or will it dishonor God? Number two, how will it impact my life? Is it a positive in my terms of my spiritual walk or will it lead me away from God? Do I love myself in the way that God wants me to? Number three, love your neighbor as yourself. Will it impact somebody else's life in a negative way if I live out my freedoms? 
And if it does, then I release my freedoms. I let them go for the benefit of the other person. That's when it gets hard. Because we don't want to give up our rights. We want to hold on to them. Now, there's four types of Christians. One is, and the the Bible gets in it, and I was going to read this passage on the stronger and the weaker brother. The weaker brother is the one who doesn't have freedom to do certain things, and the stronger brother is the one who does. But there are some people, and I'll call them professional weaker brothers. (laughs) They will limit you by what you do. Talked about my dancing last week. I talked about movies. I remember Darlene went to a movie in a movie theater and her pastor said, all the church can't go. Do you know what? It was a, a Billy Graham evangelistic movie. <laughs> said, you can't go there because you can't go in a theater. It's the wrong thing. And he limited the people in their church being able to go to that. Darlene came in the next Monday morning after having gone to that. Shame on you. You didn't listen to your pastor. Came in the next morning, and what he wanted to know is, how did it go? How many people came forward? What was the response? But he had a legalistic view. You can't go into a theater, and he limited them. Do you know what? It wouldn't, didn't bother him at all spiritually that Darlene went in there. And that's the professional weaker brother that wants to limit you in terms of what you do or don't do. There is the professional stronger brother that has all of the freedoms. Oh, he can go to the theater, he can go to the dances, uh, he can drink, he can gamble, he can go to the casino, he can do all of the things. He's free in Jesus Christ. And nobody's going to tell him he can't do any of the things he does. And he really doesn't have to serve because it's all about God's grace. There's a genuine weaker brother that may have a struggle, maybe... He dealt with gambling, and it was a problem for him, and it messed up his family, and it messed up everything. And you say, oh, yeah, we'll go up here to the casino, and we'll you know, just have some. He can't do that. And you limit your freedom. You say, no, I'm gonna, not going to do that. Genuine, weaker brother is going to have things he can't do because of who he is or she is. That's a sister. And then there's a genuine, stronger brother or sister And they know their freedoms. They're not caught up with the legalisms. But they also know that if they're involved in doing certain things, it's going to be a hindrance for somebody else they know, who at that point may say, oh, I can do that. And they can't, because it's been a struggle for them in the past. And so that genuine, stronger brother says, I'm going to limit what I do for the benefit of somebody else. Where are you? Where am I? I? I'm sure I fit into all those categories someplace. But when you think of making decisions, what are you involved in that may be a problem for somebody else? Are you going to say, I'm not curtailing my rights. They're mine in Jesus Christ. But they hurt somebody else. What's your view of love? Because that's where we are. You make decisions either by your legalistic beliefs, your libertarian beliefs, or as a result of love. And that's where our life is. Let's pray, shall we? Father, oh, so much more I wanted to share, Father, but I know that right now it isn't the time. Now is not the time. And so I pray, Father, that you would just 
Help us today to grasp what we learned from this passage uh, about what it means to be free. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Only we're not to allow our freedom to allow us to do those things that are lacking in love. Help us to think through that today, Father. And Father, if someone's struggling with some of these issues, I pray that we can just work through it and deal with it because it's so important. This is a major issue for us as Christians. How, how do we make choices for our own lives and how do our, our lives impact others? So, Father, help us to understand your will. I, I pray for the people in paradise today, and in Chico, and those who are ministering to the needs of those in that community. I I pray that truly your Holy Spirit would lead them to make wise decisions in terms of helping and serving and ministering. And Father, as we have an opportunity to give, help us to be a part, joyfully be a part in serving. Thank you for the opportunity to do that, Father. You are an awesome God, and I just praise you for your goodness and your love. Bless everyone here this morning. Father, as they go out from here, lead them, guide them, strengthen them. And Father, as they have their their Thanksgiving uh, feast, I'm sure they're going to have Thanksgiving and celebrate together. Make it a positive time of reflecting on what they really have to be thankful for and the blessings that you have given to them. Father, help us count our blessings this week. Not all the things that we wish were different. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.